So we are coming now to the last uh, uh, panel session of the day. Uh, it's been an amazing experience th these two days. Uh, you know, we had an event that really covered all major industry topics and we were privileged to have on the panels uh, 50 leading Greek ship owners principles. The idea of this forum was exactly to showcase the thought leadership of Greek shipping uh, we pay tribute to Greek shipping as we have it within the context of the Posidonia Web Forums Week. And we are concluding with a panel on the new generation. Uh, I don't need to elaborate more on this. Um, here you have uh, the new generation that has taken over and is looking towards the future with confidence, with expertise, ensuring continuity, um, and bringing in new blood and new ideas. And um, I would like to thank uh, Ioana and Ismini, John and Alex, and uh, Christos for uh, being with us one more time. We were together in, uh, on, in the New York event last week. So Christos, thank you for uh, moderating this panel. And now we'll turn it over to you with a huge thanks. Thank you very much, uh, Nicholas. I have to say it's a, it's a great opportunity to be chairing a panel like this. Um, there are tremendous changes happening in shipping today. Uh, we have changes on the financing side, which you know I leave firsthand on the capital markets. We have technological changes uh, when it comes to fuel efficiency, when it comes to propulsion systems. We have a lot of changes on the environmental side uh, with energy transition. And at the same time, we are having a generational shift in a number of shipping companies uh, with the next generation gradually taking control uh, of uh, the businesses. Uh, so I'm very happy today to have four representatives of the next generation on this panel. Also working for a Norwegian organization, I'm very proud to have such a gender balanced uh, panel today, which was not put in place by design. So that tells you something about gender equality in shipping. So that's very, very good. Um, I will start with a short introduction, although you know most of these people already, they've been running businesses for a number of years. Uh, I will start uh, as I see people uh, on my screen. Uh, we have Alex Hadzipateras. Uh, Alex is the EVP of business development for Dorian. He's a director of the UK PNI Club, and he's a director of the Helios Pool with MOL, among other positions. Uh, John, uh, he's the CEO of Gordon Port Holdings since 2012. He's the co-founder of Ocean Gold Tankers, and he's involved in setting up and managing Golden Yachts, which I guess is the more exciting part of your day-to-day uh, -day business. Uh, we have Ioana, Ioana Prokopiu. She's the founder of Prominence Maritime. Uh, she's been supervising all activities of Sea Tankers, which is the dry bulk uh, business uh, of the family. Uh, she's been actively involved in real estate developments and uh, She's also looking after HR for Dynacom Tankers and Sea uh, Traders. She's a director of the North of England PNI Club and uh, a member of the Union of Greek Ship Owners and the Cypriot Ship Owners Association. So very busy schedule for you, uh, I guess, uh, Joanna. And last but not least, we have Ismini, Ismini Panakonidi. Uh, she has been involved in ship owning and ship management since 2004. She has founded Pavimar in 2014. And she has been the CEO of that business uh, for the last six years. Um, when I was asked to uh, put this panel in place, um, I thought, you know, where should we really take this? And I have to say, asking some more personal questions to you guys is certainly what um, 
I thought would be more interesting for a discussion like this. Um, when I talk about personal, I would like uh, to start with Ioana. And I would like to ask you, uh, Ioana, uh, how challenging is it to work alongside or to start your career and work alongside a very successful uh, shipping entrepreneur uh, like your father? Um, I have to start saying hello to everybody to begin with, and thanks for having us. Um, working side by side with someone like my father, I have to say that it's very inspiring because you work uh, close to someone that you admire, you, you ad ad I admire a lot, and who also to, happens to be uh, very capable and uh, accomplished in, uh, in the field. Uh, but I think, uh, of course, in any company, when you have affiliations with the owner, um, it is a privilege, but it can be a, a burden because there's a, a long way to cover in order to prove yourself both to, to your colleagues and to your fellow uh, ship owners or the, your, the community in which you, you live. So I find that often the bar is uh, set higher than anyone uh, else. Um, I think another thing is that comparison would be inevitable. But uh, what is important, and I think I believe that someone should do this as soon as they can, is to accept that uh, you are different from your parent and that you are going to do things in a different manner and way. So in that sense, you should learn to capitalize on your strengths and uh, work on your weaknesses. Um, in our case, I have to say that I've, uh, it's been good and we've had... Um, um, we try very much not to step on each other's toes. So I have plenty of space and freedom to, to be creative and involved. And I think it's very important because we spend so much time working. So work is a, is a means of creativity and it, it should be this way. But at the same time, when uh, I'm working next to someone who has a, a vast experience and such an in-depth knowledge like my father does, um, he's, I always uh, run to him for questions or in order to get some guidance when I'm faced with, with new things that I haven't come across in the past. And I, in, in concluding uh, this, uh, this question, I think that it's very important in any industry to have a, a trans, transfer of knowledge from one generation to the other. I think it's very important. And uh, I'm actually very glad, and I see it as well as a responsibility to, to be able to, to, tr to gain the knowledge and hopefully in the future be able to transfer it to, to my uh, offsprings. Do you feel that uh, you are getting fair treatment from your father? Is he being stricter than he would have been with, uh, with, outside, with employees outside the family? Are you discriminated against? No, actually, I think he's very fair. He's very fair and uh, he gives you chances to mess up and <laughs> then it's okay. So yeah, I, I don't have any complaints in that sense. Alex, just to spice things up a little bit, what happens when you disagree in a setting like this? What happens when you disagree with your father? There's something you, know, you wanna do and uh, you put it forward and you know, there's no agreement there. Thank you, uh, Christos, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Nicholas, for arranging the conference. Joanna and, and Yanni and I have had the chance to do a few conferences this year together, and it's a delight to be with Ismini as well. Uh, Christos, to your question, I think that at least personally what I do Monday to Friday is I you know, put a professional hat on, 
And uh, I just separate the role of sort of family to professional as much as possible. Of course, shipping is not a Monday to Friday business, but um, you know, you, I believe you have to compartmentalize and treat it professionally as you would with any other colleague. So I think it's not black and white, it's easier said than done. It's always gonna be a gray area, but try not to be overly sensitive and just be uh, professional about it. That, that's my philosophy. Mm. Ismini, let me turn it over uh, over over to you. What you know, thinking thinking um, about your role in the business. What have been the biggest challenges in getting accepted and establishing yourself in the in the business, both uh, as a woman but also um, as a daughter of a very well known principal? Um, I want to greet everyone from my side as well, uh, and thank you, Nicholas, for including me in this. Uh, panel of friends and uh, uh, people uh, that we are going, hoping to see around in shipping for years to come. Um, Christos, getting uh, back into your question, I mean, let's not forget, and we must acknowledge the fact that uh, getting into a family business to begin with, to begin with it's, it's definitely an advantage. You have uh, a lot of doors that open just by saying your name, just from your history, your family's history, your family's track records. You have already established relationships. You don't have to look uh, on, um, you know, finding partners. Uh, and you know, you have you have an agenda that's already there. You can ha you can have emails and contact names that you can directly um, approach and and start. On the other hand, uh, and as you said, because these are the personal questions of the panel today. I think mostly the struggle that I have found is with myself. Uh, the struggle of trying to prove uh, and living up to the expectations of others and myself as well, in terms of keeping up the family name, uh, keeping up um, the good company name uh, and a good track record of, of uh, of uh, a family business and trying to prove myself to myself and to others that we can do it as good as the previous generation. So I think this is, this is the most important struggle that I have found as a next generation in, the, in shipping. Uh, you also asked about the, the, the female, the, the women in shipping and it has been a trend lately and it has been very positive to see a lot of more women coming into shipping. Uh, and the fact uh, we had seen that in previous generations, sons used to inherit the businesses and come into shipping. But now in our generation, it's very promising. Of course, we have Joanna and a lot of other ladies um, who have been around and are very competitive, very bright and uh, um, very capable. So I think things have changed now and there is no such discrimination anymore. Uh, we are not, uh, I, I remember uh, quite distinctly, the first Capitaline conferences I have been was in 2004, 2005. And I remember there was never a line at the ladies' uh, restrooms. Now, if you actually go to the ladies' restroom, there's definitely a line during the break. So this is what has, you know, this is what says it all. So the line in the in the ladies' uh, restroom is the test. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. I think I think we have seen many many more women coming into shipping, many many more women in senior positions, and that's really a very refreshing change. Uh, John, moving over uh, to you, 
Uh, you've really been running uh, the holding, the, the Golden Port Holdings business since 2012. Um, you've done a lot of changes uh, in the business. How were they received? Thank you, Christos, and uh, well done to Capital Link once more and Nicolas for putting together this amazing <laughs> conference and panel. And always hearing these uh, very interesting panels, have uh, heard a lot of a lot of uh, very exciting stuff today. Now, turning over to our subject, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there is always we come into a new business and we have a lot of exciting ideas. You know, we want to, as they say today, you know, disrupt everything and bring bring new new things to this business, which is I think is actually quite good. And personally, you know, it was interesting because I didn't actually start in shipping straight away. I mean. You mentioned it before, my first job, after I finished London, you know, my studies worked a little bit there, and then I came back here and started doing yacht chartering, yacht operations. I didn't actually join shipping from the start, from the get-go. But to be honest, I mean, I, I always, you know, doing that, and I, this, this business was actually growing a lot uh, when I started 20 years ago, but still, I thought shipping is the future for me. Ship, this shipping is where I want to be. So coming into, into our family shipping business, you know, there was a lot of new ideas, but always I understood I had to marry the wisdom of, you know, the, 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 the existing generation at the time, you know, the, the, the knowledge that had been cultivated with, with new ideas. So one, one item, for example, that I worked on is trying to bring maybe some, some new people from outside shipping into the business and trying to get them excited, as much excited as I was about this, and try to bring their know-how, their outside, the new te let's say the, the technology they had in, the, in their, their know-how to bring into this business. Another idea we have to, to, to think, to, we had to think differently is about our assets, you know, our ships. So it wasn't just enough for a ship to be, you know, big and to, to buy it well, you know, to buy it for a good price, which is actually 20 years ago, that was, let's say, 75% of, of the success, you know, a good ship, a decent ship at a good price and, you know, you're halfway there. But... It is also many other aspects you have to consider, and even more today, as was discussed in the previous panel about energy efficiency, about the impact on the environment, etc. These are all, all matters we have to consider. Another issue, of course, today with you know the new banking environment and and of course other sources of capital available like PE uh, and maybe capital markets, which were not involved but we were in the past. You have to have a more corporate structure today. You know, you need proper balance sheets, auditing, a structure uh, that, that, is, uh, that, that you have transparency and you can explain to your charters, first of all, to your, to your financiers and to, to, your, to the other, all the other companies that you work with, what exactly you're about, what you do and how, how you get along doing it. So that is transparency is key today and it is quite important. Finally, I thought you know, in shipping, of course, specialization is important. You know, for example, being the, the best in a cape size segment is something in itself, but diversification is something that I always thought is extremely important. So I sought out to diversify our group into the wet segment as well, that I thought with my brother Vasilis, you know, we worked a lot on this to develop a team to actually try to with some success, you know, of course, uh, outsiders can judge, it's not up to me to say, to enter into that segment as well. So I, I thought diversification is something that we had to go after. But always, always with respect to, to what we have been taught, with respect to, to, to the generation that started this 
in my case, my father, Captain Paris, and always that personal relationships and relationships with your bankers, with your charters, are extremely important. This has not and will not change. And how, how, how was your father very supportive in, in the way you were approaching the business, in the changes you were looking to, to put in place? Uh, my father is, is, a, is a very interesting person. He's a very wandering mind. Even, even in, in all his careers, he wanted to try new things. He wanted to actually look at new things. So in, in, te in terms that I showed quite a lot of interest into picking up a part of the business, you know, actually he was, I think, he was happy about that because then he would also pursue other things. So, yes, he, he, he gave me quite a lot of leeway and I thank him for that because that's the only way to learn. You know, when you, you have to make the decision and that decision is final and will bear consequences, this is only when uh, you, I think you actually uh, weigh your options and weigh your decisions. That is when you actually, you can learn all your life, but when you actually, your decision is, is what will be the difference between losing and winning, I think that is, that is key. And yes, he was giving that, yeah. Thank you, John. Alex, I want to come back to you and talk a little bit about uh, uh, corporate governance and maybe a subject that could be um, interpreted as being a little bit uh, sensitive. Uh, how corporate is corporate? Uh, we see family in C-level positions, CEOs, CFOs, uh, is that better or is it professional management with family on the board? We see a number of companies in, in Western Europe and in the US where family members are sitting on the board and there are professionals you know, running, running the business. Most Greek or Greek affiliated shipping companies have a different philosophy or a different mentality. What are your thoughts around this? I believe, Kyrsos, um, that shipping, as we know, is a fiercely competitive business and uh, public companies are under a microscope. So uh, I think each case is unique, but I believe that uh, it has to be what's in the best interest of the business. I mean, I put the hat on as a shareholder of a business, whichever it is, you know, you want to create value. That's the role of uh, management. And then on the board, a board of directors should add something different to the board and bring another skill set, be it in accounting, commercial. So uh, in our case, at Dorian, we try to retain family uh, values of being close to the seafarer, having a great grandfather who was a, a captain, because we know that the seafarers are the ones who are delivering the cargoes to the customer. And essentially each ship is our, our floating business card. So if uh, the terminal is not happy or we don't have good performance, we're not gonna get business and perform well. But at the same time, I, I believe that, you know, it's shipping's fiercely competitive and uh, you know, you have to always think about how can you create value for, for your shareholders. Ioana, uh, let me turn to you uh, and, and ask you something which is a little bit broader. Uh, I mean, you guys are, are a, a new generation of entrepreneurs. And if I look at around, you know, you look at technology companies, they reach billion dollar valuations overnight. You have unicorns, you have incubators, you have tech disruption all around us. Uh, what makes shipping attractive to somebody like yourself? Why do you decide to spend your time in this industry and not in something this, that is considered to be much sexier and is considered to, uh, and is able to reach bigger size much sooner than you can get in shipping? Um, okay, an entrepreneur in my view should not only be concerned about returns, but also what the industry he's in represents for the world. 
So if we go back a little bit, uh, what does shipping does? Shipping is a service industry and it's, uh, it's about connecting the most remote parts of the world by the means of trade. So basically giving them access to the world trade uh, arena, let's say, so that far removed countries can uh, sell their, their goods in, in, in the rest of the world. Also, it improves the well-being of uh, faraway places, again, by delivering essential goods like fuel oil, medicine, uh, raw material, and things that they don't have uh, on their own. So, so as an industry, it, in my view, it offers also a service for the betterment of society. Now, what we've seen in the, in the last few years, starting around uh, the early 2000s, was uh, a big tech boom which uh, started with the uh, creation of the World Wide Web and it was all about connecting people and it was uh, mainly operating in, in cyberspace. Uh, in the past few years, we have all like, seen in our, with its application to real life, that the technology is slowly getting, slowly or faster depending on the sector, but uh, many industries are adapting uh, uh, technology like agriculture, healthcare, the automotive industry and many, many more. In the past, and up till now, we, we can say that shipping has been very slow to adapt these new technologies. But what we're seeing is a trend towards uh, digitalization. And uh, from my, our side, I find that this is a very exciting time for, for us as a company, because we have embarked in this exploration, trying to test different systems and uh, incorporate several uh, uh, new technological features in the way we monitor ships with uh, sensors on board or into streamlining the way we operate and using data in a more uh, uh, useful way and for making managerial decisions. So I think that it is an exciting time for that sense. And uh, with all the upcoming regulations that we're seeing coming our way, there's definitely going to be technological leaps uh, for innovation in order for shipping to comply with all of this. So uh, coming back to your, your, your question of uh, excitement and uh, um, technology, I think it's gonna be a very challenging and interesting time uh, and an exploration going forward. Um, so now in terms of uh, the money-making aspect, I think that uh, what we need to bear in mind is uh, that uh, for shipping, we've seen over and over again that there will be good years and there will be not so good years. So it is a matter of embracing this volatile nature and the cyclicality of uh, shipping and try to, whenever the times are good, prepare yourself in order to weather the storm when the bad times uh, hit. So as a, as a sector uh, general, I think, generally, I think shipping is, uh, is uh, about risks and about uh, reaping the, the rewards. And uh, with shipping being so volatile, uh, I think it, uh, it represents entrepreneurship quite well in that sense. So you vote for old economy and volatility. <laughs> what do you mean by old economy? Well, you know, shipping is representing more the old type, you know, economy. And, you know, if you look at the, uh, uh, you know, technological side, the e-commerce side, you know, it's, it's, it's a more new type of era, new type of economy. You look at the, you know, the dot-com businesses, you look at uh, okay. all the startups, that's, that, 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 that's what I mean.
Okay, yeah. Um, I think that for us, having been brought up also as well in this uh, sort of environment and having grown up with uh, dinner table discussions all our lives about shipping and uh, how, you know, the problems and we've seen the struggles and the good times and the bad times and everything that it took to get here, I think it, uh, I, I don't know if it's, I'm speaking on, on behalf of everyone here, but definitely for me, it was, uh, it was something that there, there wouldn't be another thing to do. And uh, I tried to do other things as well, uh, starting off uh, in the beginning, but I have to say I was very much drawn to this industry because it's, it's a very exciting and um, no two days are the same. So I think that I ended up, uh, and by being born into it and by, um, and by being attracted to it. So I have to say that in that sense, uh, I, I wouldn't be doing anything else. I, I want to agree with you, Anna, exactly on her last point. I think ultimately the answer to your question is that we have all been drawn into it. I mean, I know that all of us had a choice uh, and I personally had the choice, uh, but, I personally had the choice to choose something other than shipping, but it has been so much, you know, at dinner tables in our blood that there it was honestly and one way street without even us realizing it. Uh, so yeah, it, it just, you know, it comes in naturally and I'm sure, you know, and we are the ladies speaking, imagine the, 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 the gentlemen who are, you know, even more groomed by fathers to get into this, uh, to, to follow their footsteps. One way street for you guys as well, uh, Alex, Alex and John. I think picking up on Joanna's point about tech and shipping, shipping is, is ripe for a disruption right now. And we're seeing it with all the money pouring in through VCs into different uh, artificial intelligence companies and with sensors on the vessels. So this is an industry that's gonna be turned upside down Obviously, a lot of the other panels were talking about emissions, but uh, you know, it's very exciting to be in an industry that's evolved, become more an op open and transparent, as uh, Yanni said, but also is going to continue to change and be part of that change. So I, I believe that the tech, I mean, I, I think, Joanna, in a way, it was a subtle point, but it shouldn't be ignored. It's like a freight train that's going to hit shipping and, and turn it upside down, for sure. I, 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 firm believer of that and I think that the sooner we start embracing these uh, new changes and all these very useful little tools that uh, obviously don't fit every company but finding the right tool that helps you make more um, educated decisions because a lot of the decisions in the past were gut feeling um, from the you know, to buy the original spare part or to buy under license spare part. Uh, now we get to, to see how these things work in action, how soon they break. You can monitor all of these things. You can have a lot of uh, better feedback into getting the decisions that are based on facts. And I think it's very important. Yeah, I echo that. And uh, there's no doubt that successful shipping companies of today are miles apart, very different than, than what, how you know, we worked our companies 10 and even more 20 years ago. I like to believe that some of the metals still are in place, uh, like an example I gave before about relations, relations, but definitely technology is changing the landscape. And I think, you know, we all embrace that. With regards to, to coming to this business, I mean, you know, 
speaking for me, you know, it was, I did also consider many other things. And as I said, I did something else uh, in the beginning, you know, chartering in, a, in this, what I described before is not, has nothing to do with shipping. You know, it's, it's like a hotel business, let's say it's, it has nothing to do with what we do here. So uh, I, but I came into this for the love of the game. I think it's a very interesting uh, business. When I came into it, we actually enjoyed very good years ahead. You know, it was, you have to think, you know, the golden decade after 2003 and four. you know, it was really amazing years. You were just, uh, it was just every, every year was better and better. Demand was going up. Containers were running at double digit growth rates. You know, dry was running at high single digits every single year. I was a bit newer at Tanker, so I wasn't a super expert, but still we had a very good experience there as well. So obviously we came into a good time. And now we are a generation that we have seen the highest of the highs and probably the lowest of the lows, if you exclude, you know, 80, 83. But, you know, 2016, I mean, one could argue was an absolute disaster for, for, for this. And I think uh, Greek shipping and uh, many people, especially people here on this panel, have done quite well through this crisis and went through the good years well and grew their companies, improved their assets, and uh, now are bigger and better companies. Mm. Let me ask you, John, another question which puzzles me quite, quite a bit. What we have, we have an industry where you have assets, you have the ships, they're being built in Asia. Uh, they're being increasingly financed by Asian institutions, be it banks, be it leasing houses. Uh, they carry cargo uh, that's Asian. Uh, they serve Asian end users. And then you have uh, you know, a shipping hub in Greece in the middle of this. Is that sustainable uh, in the future? And maybe not just for Greek shipping, but for, for international shipping in general. Uh, and and what, what, what needs uh, to happen for, 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 for this to remain relevant? Yeah, thank you. Very interesting question, of course. I mean, I think about that all the time. And uh, one cannot overstate the importance of China into what is shipping today and uh, actually part of what, what I was saying, part of the good markets, you know, a lot of, a lot of dry bulk, for example, was, was purely, almost purely China driven. Now, I mean, there's a bit separate, you know, I mean, ships built in China, obviously there is competition from Japan regarding bulkers, there is Korea as well, it's very good ships and, you know, some of the best Chinese shipyards have feature top uh, Greek ship owners as like some of the best clients. So it is an obvious cooperation that works and has worked for decades. So we shouldn't forget that, that Greeks are huge clients of, of the biggest Chinese shipyards. With regards to, to, to banks, for example, and leasing houses, I think, again, we've seen recently that two or three major leasing houses even opened branches in Greece, showing how I think Greece is part of their uh, is part of their major, their, their core business. So that is also a, a cooperation there that is to be had. It's not that, you know, they only work with, with Chinese ship owners. So finally, with Asian cargo, again, similar picture. They will go for who is the most efficient most of the times. Now, I will not underplay the importance of leasing houses and, you know, that they actually order ships to support shipyards in, within China, and then they will maybe do a charter at a very cheap rate, you know, to one of the major uh, Asian outfits uh, at, at, very, at rates that we cannot compete with for a long time because the cost of capital or the need for return is much lower than us. But again, there is definitely a place for, 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 for a competitive shipping company. And, and uh, 
same can be said for other countries. You know, Japan is also used to be very, very close and now maybe a little bit more open. Korea is also there is subsidies into onto the you know the, the Korean shipyards and even for example HMM you know Hyundai Merchant Marine was rescued by the Korean state so it's not only that you know the China Inc or the Korea Inc or Japan Inc you know I think this this uh, feature in part exists in other countries as well as far as Greek shipping my answer is simply yes we are super relevant today as we were relevant uh, in the previous generation and we will continue to be so. That is my immediate, uh, I can see that. Uh, you know, companies are very efficient and they are always looking to do uh, things better. They're looking at new technologies, they're looking at new ways and regulation, being more involved in fora that discuss this new, new regulation much more than we used to. So yes, Greek shipping is super relevant and will remain so. Uh, Ismini, I'd like to come back to to uh, to the previous discussion that we had about you know getting into shipping uh, or getting into new technology. I mean, shipping, at least historically in Greece, has attracted top talent. Has been seen as a very interesting business for new graduates to get into. Um, I mean, you guys have been brought up in shipping families. Uh, you said that you know maybe there was you you you've been brought up to get into that business. Uh, but with all these new interesting opportunities, how can shipping continue to attract top talent, not only in Greece, but also internationally? I think um, what, you know, what, what shipping is and what, what moves shipping is actually the seafarers. Uh, they are the heart of our business uh, and this is where we should all ultimately invest. Um, to attract talent from, uh, from the beginning, from uh, grooming young seafarers and promoting them from within, uh, and, and then ultimately maybe bringing them ashore to, to the offices and, and because they know the mentality, they know the culture of the companies. So I think the investment that we should do is uh, in, in the young seafarers, in the cadets and, 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 the edu and their education, both in Greece and abroad, because a lot of us, we do have seafarers and, and companies uh, who attract uh, seafarers from, from, from Asia, uh, etc. So I think the future, and in order to be able to sustain this, this level of good talent, is if we invest in it from the beginning and from a very young age, and we actually promote it and, um, and educate it uh, properly. Definitely in Greece, uh, because we see there's a scarcity um, of, of, of young seafarers lately. But um, I think due, due to the crisis, this shift has, this has changed a little bit. And maybe this is an opportunity that we should take advantage now and, and, and build kind of a new trend um, uh, on this. Uh, Alex, uh, same, same, same question to you, but uh, with a slightly different, different color. Not focusing so much on seafarers, but um, focusing more on uh, you know senior management. Um, you know, is can shipping in a more international setting attract top talent away from hedge funds, from startups? Uh, is is the, what do you see? I believe that um, yes, because it's very much a relationship-driven industry. I mean, right now we're not traveling around the world. We're doing a, a digital conference, but 
all of these events that, that are usually happening, it's, I think the egos in shipping compared to other industries I started in tech are, are much more reasonable. People are more approachable. Some of the, the largest, most successful executives are always willing to talk to a young cadet. So I think that from the banking side, the shipping side, the broking side, what we love about the industry is that personal relationship aspect. And in a way it gives us a higher quality of professional life than if we were looking at a screen trading, I don't know, stock options. Yana, mm. uh, let, let me ask you the, a different question. What do you see as the biggest disruption in the industry uh, going forward? What concerns you or what are you, what, what are you trying to prepare for in the future? I think what concerns me is something that we cannot prepare for, which is basically um, what for me I see is the biggest threat to our industry is regulations made by people who have nothing to do with shipping. They don't have the background, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the exposure, and they make decisions that affect lots and lots of uh, companies who, as was said earlier, are the end users of a product, which is the vessel and the way it's gonna be operated. Now we see regional uh, decisions being taken like the EU ETS, which is an emissions trading scheme for uh, ships operating either within or finishing into Europe, which is gonna create all sorts of problems and undermines IMO, it undermines a lot of um, um, global efforts because as uh, we all know, Shipping is global and requires global uh, regulations and not local regulations like the EU ETS. And I think the more these uh, regulations are being taken, and sorry, these decisions are being taken that with from people that do not have the, the knowledge or the experience, I think it jeopardizes the industry. And I think there's going to be less and less willingness of newcomers to enter shipping when they see a, a mess that is created from uh, the upcoming regulations that are uh, are pointless. So I think for me, this is the biggest threat to our industry. Ismini, where do you see disruption coming from uh, for the shipping industry going forward? I mean, you know, the immediate disruption that we see is from the, the COVID-19 uh, crisis that we're all, uh, um, you know, living and uh, worldwide everyone has to, to adapt. So this is, you know, basically you know, the, the short answer in terms of the immediate future. Um, now, as Joanna correctly pointed out, and I agree very, very much with her, is that um, th this whole regu regulation and regulatory environment has been taking up a lot, a lot of our time. And, you know, even, even captains on board the ships take up a lot of more time to deal with paperwork and filling in forms than other doing rather than operating and steering the ship. So um, we end, you know, we end, we have we have been going into a direction which has uh, come away from what traditional shipping is. Uh, and uh, as Joanna rightly said, it's from people that are not in the industry. They're not actually are in the day-to-day -day business of it and know how to make educated decisions and actually make, you know, educated uh, new regulations. So it's the talk of the town that has been over the last five, seven years, but it's not getting any better. 
uh, it's not that we started with some regulations, now they have been implemented so we can move forward. There's a buildup of regulations on top of, of the previous ones. So, so it, it, it has been a, com a complete transformation of what our parents used to do uh, and what we and, uh, and, and people at our offices are asked to do today. No, we see increased regulation across all uh, industries. We see it in shipping, we see it in banking as well. But, you know, and we all complain about them. But the question is, do we feel or do you feel that shipping had been adequately regulated in the past? Uh, has there been need for these regulations to come into place? I think that's, that's really the, or are they being introduced? Are there too many? Are they being introduced in the wrong way? That's what I'm trying to, uh, to really understand. I think it's a combination of what you said. Um, there's definitely, there has definitely been a need for regulation, but um, a regulation that has not been tested and has not been properly implemented is not ultimately successful. And this is where we have ended up uh, at some points, uh, at some parts uh, today. Um, Sorry, if I may, there should be a methodology in all of this. You can't just have random regulations coming one after the other with uh, unknown results and unproven um, outcomes. What we see right now is uh, a, a mess in terms of regulations and uh, a complete disagreement in all levels of the people making those regulations. Even within the IMO, there's a huge struggle to convince one way or another. Um, in terms of regulations, of course you need regulations because you need to be able to regulate an industry to a certain degree, not to over-regulate it because now we've gone to the other side of the pendulum. Okay. But you need to do it in, in a coherent way and in a way that makes sense. At the moment, it does not make sense. Going back to disruption and away from regulation, uh, coming to you, uh, John, where, where do you see disruption coming uh, for the shipping industry? Well, I think... Regarding the regulation, I think the ladies covered covered very well. But before we close, I mean, Christos, I wanted one very quick one. Also, I want your take. Also, how how do you think see things? You know, one of you are one of the most prominent bankers out there, and you know, you you know the companies. You 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 work with a lot of European and Greek companies. How do you see change? How do you see the companies changing? I mean, I'm very interested to see your take as well. I mean, we can say what we say, but I'm very interested in what you have to say also. Well, I can, give, I can give you a couple of thoughts um, very quickly. I mean, shipping is changing and it is changing dramatically. Uh, if you look at uh, financing, for example, which is, which is what I do, it used to be the case that you know, bilateral loans were really the way to go for every shipping company. Then we moved into syndicated loans. Then companies became bigger. They started accessing the capital markets. You have bonds, you have equity, you have convertibles. And there is a real advantage when a company can really uh, fund itself uh, in, with various different instruments, both in terms of cost and also in terms of availability of capital. So all, there's been a lot of change on the capital structure. Uh, we touched upon regulation. There's been a lot of change when it comes to regulation. I think, and uh, my question to Ismini before was a little bit of a loaded one. Yes, there, there was for more regulation uh, in my view in the also in banking, uh, but I will agree with Joanna that a lot of these regulations at times seem to be random and seem to be very, very far, uh, far reaching. 
Um, also, I see a huge change coming in as an avalanche uh, on the environmental side, which we haven't touched upon much uh, so far in this, in this panel. Um, we see companies uh, putting forward very elaborate ESG plans. I think really this is the future when it comes to scrapping, when it comes to uh, carbon footprints. Uh, it's the, the way we are conducting our business is changing in all aspects. And at the same time, we have a new generation. So that's another change as well that is coming in the... Uh, I see Nicholas has come in. Maybe he disagrees with everything I said, or he's uh, signaling that we are running out of time. Which uh, one of the two? It's, uh, it's the second one. Uh, we are a little bit past our time. My manager did a good job, of, uh, so, you know, up to the last uh, to the previous panel. Um, so I'd like to thank you all for uh, really concluding the uh, the forum with uh, very upbeat and insightful panel. Thank you to all of you. I don't know if you want to say anything before we part. First of all, let me thank everybody uh, for coming into this panel. I don't think there's been a panel with the next generation uh, done before. So that was extremely exciting. Thank you for being very candid and very honest, uh, particularly when it came to the personal questions uh, at the beginning. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, and you know, thank you very much. Any comments from you guys? Thank you, Christos. Thank you, Nicholas. Thanks, everybody. Have a good afternoon. It was great. Was great discussion. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. But Nicholas, I think there were some questions. We should, need, we should apologize to everyone who, that we couldn't really answer. They were so, popping up on the screen. So I guess we'll cover yeah, them on another occasion. You know, we covered about 60% through the discussion, but we left three or four unanswered, unfortunately. So you have to invite us back, Nicola. I would be delighted. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you.